0: Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. There's
1: some childish behavior going on in Corinth when it came to this subject matter of
0: spiritual gifts, specifically the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues. Spiritual gifts, we've been talking about them for several weeks now. In the Apostle Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, we find three chapters dealing with the subject. Why? because they're that important, and because there was a lot of confusion in Corinth about spiritual gifts. Not surprisingly, there can be just as much confusion in the church today.
1: When it comes to the body of Christ, what really matters is this thing we call prophecy, proclaiming, uh, revealing the Word of God, the truth of God, for the people of God to use in their lives. That was the priority then, and it's still to be the priority today.
0: Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. In our series, Crossroads, Where Your Faith Intersects Your Culture, Pastor Clay has been walking us through the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. Like us, the Corinthian church faced all kinds of challenges to their faith from their culture. Even spiritual gifts intended to strengthen the church were being misunderstood and being misused.
1: Clearly, he says prophecy is the priority over tongues the Corinthians were making tongues the priority. It was the shiny. It was the flashy. It was the one that would get the most attention.
0: Today on Crosswalk, Pastor Clay is going to dive deeper into 1 Corinthians 14, where the Apostle Paul focuses on two gifts in particular, the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues. Understanding these two gifts is as important for the church today as it was back then. Now here's Pastor Clay. I
1: Have y'all ever done this to your kids when they're little or your grandkids? So, have y'all ever done this? You take a kid that's, I don't know, two years old. A toddler, right? A toddler. Have you ever done this where you take a toddler and you say, um, Wyatt, that's one of my grandsons. I say, Wyatt, because I'm pretty sure I did this. Uh, Wyatt, which, which would, which, I'm going to give you a choice. Which would you rather have? Would you, would you rather have, would you rather have, do I have any money on me? Would you rather have this, this piece of paper money, or, why would you rather have 20 shiny, brand new pieces of money? 21 piece of money. Have y'all ever done that? I mean, seriously. Yeah, y'all aren't mean? Y'all don't do that kind of stuff? I mean, you kind of put each other... Uh, listen, I, I think we all would realize this, that the vast... Majority of times, the toddler is going to pick the, the, 20, the 20 shiny pennies over the little old $20 bill. Put that in the pocket so it doesn't disappear. He's almost always going to pick the 20 pennies over the, over the, the single piece of bill. Uh, why? Because they're shiny. They're shiny. And, and, and they make more noise than that paper money makes. And, and 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 they 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 just they're more they're more attractive you it just I, you know what i'm saying yes, now they they do that because they they don't know they don't know about money they're just they're just basing on what they see what they experience and for them 20 pennies seems to make a whole lot more sense than a $20 bill because they're toddlers well i say that to introduce a subject matter in Corinth that we started into last week and to say this to you. There was some childish behavior going on in Corinth. And the Apostle Paul actually says that, by the way. Actually says there's some childish behavior going on in Corinth when it, when it came to this subject matter that started in chapter 12, continue on through chapter 13, although the emphasis was love, and now into chapter 14, this subject matter of of spiritual gifts and specifically if you're here last week if we started in chapter 14 specifically two spiritual gifts the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues now if you're new here to cross culture church and you're in the we're jumping you're in first time you're here and this we're in the middle of this series called crossroads where your faith intersects your culture and and we're making our way through first corinthians and you're thinking huh, Prophecy, tongues, I, uh, let, get me out of here. <laughs> Listen, what you're going to discover, what I hope you discover is what this is about is, is maturing in our, in our understanding of, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You may or may not be a follower of Jesus Christ if you're here. I don't want to take that, uh, assume that for anybody. You may or may not be a follower of Jesus Christ. But if you are... There's, there's, a, there's a call to mature in this, and it's really going to jump out here in chapter 14. So even if you think, well, I don't understand this, or this doesn't, I don't know what's going on, hang in there, because the, because the process, I hope, will begin to illuminate some truth that you can, can grab a hold of for your life. So last week we read, I read you all 40 verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If you were here, you may remember me reading all 40 verses, the entire chapter, I read it. And then I gave you, I defined a, a, a few things for you. I, I defined prophecy and, and the two basic uh, ways that prophecy can be, uh, can be interpreted. I defined uh, biblical tongues to you, because that's the subject matter coming up in 14. And I defined what, I'm call, what I call Corinthian tongues to you and I gave you a little bit of background, uh, the the whole history of the oracles and that and ha, the, their influence and all that kind of stuff. Did all that and it was a lengthy introduction last week and I know it was a lengthy introduction last week, but it was an important one because there were some terms I needed you or I wanted you to understand. Now if you weren't here, listen, uh, crossculture dot church. You can go right to our website. You can go to. Uh, iTunes, you can go a lot of places, you can listen to the podcast, you can watch uh, the sermon online, anything you want to do. You can go back and catch uh, last week's or the entire series if you want, but uh, I covered some of that as a way of introducing where we're going uh, today, deeper into it, and as it turns out, where we're going also next week as well. Um, so 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14, I am not going to read the entire 40 verses to you again today. May or may not be relieved to know that. I'm not going to read it. We're going to read some as we go. But I went through all those definitions, read the chapter, went through all those uh, explanations last week or definitions, and then I just left you with this one idea, and we just really kind of quit at that point. But I left you with this one idea last week, which is this. Prophecy is the priority. Prophecy is the priority. And that's where I want to jump off this morning and, and, and jump into it. Prophecy is the priority. Clearly, if you were here last week and you read it, or if you get an opportunity and you go back and you want to read 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14, clearly prophecy, and remember, we define that prophecy can mean two different things. Prophecy can mean to foretell, to, to, uh, to, to tell about uh, God's revelation, an event that has not yet uh, occurred or not yet been revealed. Uh, but the vast majority of times that prophecy is used, it means to foretell, to proclaim a a truth that has already been revealed or has already occurred or something like that. So it can be either one, but the majority of times it is to foretell. And clearly, Paul is going to bring out here that prophecy is the priority when it comes to uh, the spiritual gifts. Now, he brings it out because the Corinthians were making tongues priority, and he's trying to get them back on track to understand when it comes to the body of Christ, what really matters is this thing we call prophecy, proclaiming, uh, revealing the word of God, the truth of God for the people of God to use in their lives. That That was the priority then, and it's still to be the priority today, prophecy, proclaiming the truth that God has revealed. So he jumps off in verse 1 and he says this. He says, Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now, pursue love. It's clear that he's transitioning from that magnificent magnificent discussion of of God type of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's clear he's transitioning from chapter 13 over into chapter 14. But what is also clear is that he's bringing this this idea of love with him right on over into chapter 14. It's as if Paul is is saying, hey, okay, I'm about to start talking about a couple of, of particular spiritual gifts here, but don't forget about love. Don't forget about love in the midst of all this. Don't leave love behind. Pursue love. The Greek word is diako, and it means to, to uh, pursue vigorously or to literally to run after. Truth is godly love. As we've defined it, as we defined it back in chapter 13, that agape kind of love, that others first, that sacrificial others first is the way I always define it, sacrificial others first kind of love. The truth is, we have to pursue, we have to run after that kind of love. Amen. Why? Because we tick each other off. Because, because we say the wrong thing, because we do the wrong thing, because we act the wrong way, because we hurt each other, because, because we make each other mad. Am I just, is it just me? Am I the one that does that to my wife? Or, or is, 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 is that, Does that happen? Do you know what I'm saying? And, and, so, and so we have to pursue, we have to, we have to run after that kind of love. You know, I, I had never thought about this before. I, I don't think I'd ever thought about this before until I was working on this uh, message and that just this opening statement. And and, and stay with me, I'm, I'm saying more about love than I really want it to because chapter 14 is not really about love. But when he, he jumps in there and he says, listen, pursue love. Don't forget about love. Run after love. Love. And I'd never thought about this before, but that sacrificial others first kind of love, that's the only kind of love we actually have to pursue. Have you ever thought about that? That's the only kind of love we really have to run after. You know, the Greeks had different words to, to define different or specific aspects of love. Eros, that, that, uh, that physical, sensual, sexual aspect of love, eros, we we don't really have to run after that one, do we? That one that one kind of comes running after us. That kind of comes naturally to us. Storge, the, the Greek word for uh, family type of love, the kind of love that you would have toward your children, or that your, your children might have to you as parents. They might drive us crazy at, at, at times, but but we still love them. We it, we just we just do that. Just it's just natural love that that we have. Even philos, the 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 friendship, kindness kind of love, although sometimes it's hard to see in this world, but, but even, even philos, brotherly kind of, of love, is, is, is natural. We, 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 we want to help people. We, we generally tend to want to be kind and, and, and do the right thing to people, but, but agape, sacrificial others first kind of love, I don't know about you, but my flesh resists that kind of love, especially if someone has hurt me or angered me or made me mad. And so here's the thing. We have to choose to intentionally run after sacrificial others' first love. You see where this is? It's always coming back to this idea that it has nothing to do with whether the person we're talking about, whether they deserve love or not. It's always coming back to me as a follower of Jesus that I have to choose to intentionally run after that type of love. Now, if you're, if, you're, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, but I, I, how do you do that? How do you, how, do you, how do you chase after? How do you love somebody that has hurt you? How do you love somebody that has angered you? How do you love somebody that has, has mistreated you? How do you love somebody if you don't feel love toward them? It's a good question. Here's what I would say. You have to choose, when it comes to godly love, you have to choose Obedience over feeling. For godly love, that, that that's just what you have to do. Now, again, if your first thought is, I don't that doesn't even compute with me. Love is a feeling. Ah, but that's where you're wrong. Love is not a feeling. Not not godly love. Love is an action. Love is a, a determination on my part to choose to sacrifice and put the other person ahead of me. It is a choice that I have to to make. It's not a feeling. Not godly love. Now, godly love can produce a feeling. It it should. In fact, I would say that godly agape kind of love can produce a feeling of love that at a level that you didn't even know existed. But you have to choose if, if if you'll choose, God will bring a level of love into your relationship that you didn't even know existed. But if you're waiting, listen to me, if you're waiting for your feelings to produce a love for some person that's hurt you or angered you or, or whatever, I'm just telling you right now, you're going to be sorely disappointed a significant amount of time in your life. Why? Because, because feelings can change faster than a Kardashian sister can take a selfie. <laughs> Feel, listen, a... a a bad night's sleep, a rough day at work, something you ate, an annoying habit they have. There are a million and one things that can change your feelings. And so if you're going to love the way God commands us to love, and Paul says, don't forget about love. You have to choose to do this. And God says, if you'll be obedient to me instead of waiting on your feelings, then I'll, I'll do something with your feelings if you'll, if you'll trust me and and do that. Yeah, I know, that's... <laughs> And way more, as I said, that I intended to say about love. But, but Paul says, don't forget about love. Because as he said in chapter 13, we're about to move into these, these two spiritual gifts. What he says this in chapter 13, it doesn't matter. You can have all the spiritual gifts in the world. But if you don't have love, to quote the Apostle Paul, it profits me nothing. Okay, so he also says there in verse 1, he also says, desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Literally, be eager for the spiritual Now, we already saw back in chapter 12 that God is the one who determines what spiritual gifts are given to who. God is the one that determines that and and not us. But Paul says, man, be eager to see them employed. Be eager to employ them, the gifts that you have. Be eager to see them in action in the church and in in the body. But then he adds this there in, in that opening verse, but especially that you may prophesy. But especially that you may prophesy. He, he, he does he's so undiplomatic about it. He do, he doesn't even he's not he's not apologetic about it. He's not anything. Clearly, he says prophecy is the priority over tongues. The reason he, he he he's not even diplomatic about it at all, really, for two reasons. One is theological, which we'll get to in a minute. The other was was purely correctional. The Corinthians were making tongues the priority. It was it was it was the shiny. It was the flashy. It was, it, was the, it was the one that would get the most attention. Paul said, no, no. Prophecy is the priority. And he, and he gives us the reason why in verse 3 through 5. Let me read it to you. But one who, who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. By the way, he's not, he's not saying that He's just saying you're talking to yourself. I think that'll become clear. But one who prophesies edifies the church. Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may receive edification. Like I said, he's not even trying to be diplomatic about it. He's clearly emphasizing prophecy over Tongues and the reason is right there in the first part of verse three. What does he say? but one who prophesies one who 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 proclaims the truth of God speaks to men to mankind for edification and exhortation and consolation. there it is, right there there's the reason why he it, it's so important. look at this he repeats it again since he repeats it in verse twelve, so also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, and you know, y'all are all about the spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Edification, there it is again. Then in verse uh, 18 and 19, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. However, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind intelligent, intelligible, coherent words with my mind. I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. Edification. Again, in verse uh, 26. Let all things be done for edification. Again, in verse 39. Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy again and again and again throughout the chapter. He's coming back to this idea that prophecy is the priority the Corinthians had made tongues the priority, as I mentioned last week, because it was kind of a it was kind of a, a spiritual superiority thing. Look at me. The Spirit speaks through me. I don't even know what I'm saying, but the Spirit is speaking through me. All right, here's what he says. Edification. Well, let's just get to him. Edification. I took this straight from dictionary.com, by the way. Moral improvement or guidance. Prophecy is for edification. Moral improvement or guidance. Can I just say this about the, specifically the subject of morality. Y'all understand what I mean by the subject of morality? Right and wrong, good and bad in, in our actions. And we are living in an age, I know this doesn't come to surprise anybody, we're living in an age where more and more people are want to, wanting to separate their, their, their belief system from their moral actions. More and more we're living in an age where people uh, who want to profess... Many people want to profess uh, knowing or believing in Jesus, but want to separate those from uh, their their morality. I, uh, somebody was was mentioning in uh, my life group, our life group last week, that uh, on the show the the bachelor, the bachelorette, or whichever one they're on right now, the bachelorette, um, there were, the lady was down to the three like final people, and I guess she you know she you know she can choose to spend the night with them or whatever. And uh, one of them was a Christian, and he apparently told her that, that he, did, he did not want to s- sleep with her. Uh, he loved her, and clearly made that clear, but, but he did not want to sleep with her until he was married because he was a follower of Jesus, and as so I understand it, her response was that she believed in Jesus also, but nobody was going to tell her how to live her life. She could, she could make her own decisions, and and uh, apparently did, and it kicked that guy to the curb, him out and... And when we go, But listen, that, that that's the age in which we live. You understand? I, I heard a statistic the other day. I don't know if it's true or not. I heard a statistic the other day that 85% of professing followers of Jesus who are single, 85% of professing followers of uh, Jesus who are single are sexually active. When the Word of God clearly says that the gift of, of, of sexuality is reserved for a, a man and woman in marriage. And, I, and I'm not... I mean, that's, that's just, that's, it's not even up for debate as far as what the Word of God says, but we're living in an age where people want to choose their own morality. And if your thought is, if somebody's thought, maybe somebody in here would say, hey, it's my life, I'll choose how I want to live it. H- here's the thing, though. It's not. It's not your life. Not if you have given it to Jesus Christ. Do you happen to remember, if you are here with us, do you happen to remember this back in uh, chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? That is hard for us Americans to hear. (laughs) For you have been, would you say it with me, bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. The Word of God. Now let me just stop right here and say this. What time is it? Let me stop right here and say this. Thank you, ma'am. Let me say this this is not about when I say this when Paul says it's for edification and edification defined as moral values teaching this is not about legalism want you understand this is not about you know uh, keeping all the you know i don't I don't smoke or chew or go with the girls that do i i i' just i i i'm I'm straight laced i'm I do all this stuff i'm I'm not you know i'm i'm and, I, and this legalism, that, because that's going to impress God, or that's going to keep God on my side, or that's going to do something. No, I, I, that, that is not what this is about. You understand what I'm saying? Only the gospel, only the gospel has the power to change a life. Only the message of the, of the sacrifice of God's Son dying on the cross so that I might be forgiven of my sins and enter into a relationship with Him, an eternal relationship with Him, only the gospel has the power to change a life. And when the gospel comes into my life, when, when I, in my, in my early mid-twenties, accepted Christ as my Savior, only when the gospel comes into my life does the Spirit of God then come live into my life. And it is the Spirit of God that then empowers me to want to live the moral level or life that God wants me to live. So this, this is not about do's and don'ts, and oh, I've got to make sure, oh, you're doing, oh. No. This is about the power of God changing a life and he uses his word to help edify help me understand this is this is how you do it clay this is how you this is how you you turn away from the temptation to sleep with other women or or uh, cheat on your taxes or whatever okay edification second he says uh, exhortation dictionary.com an utterance discourse or address conveying urgent advice or recommendations so obviously closely connected to edification it's teaching but it's teaching with a sense of urgency you might almost think of this as like, kind of like preaching it's, it's 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 teaching with a sense of urgency that that god wants to instruct you on how to live your entire life not not just the moral equation or part of your life not just the moral decision but your whole life this is how you do marriage this is how you raise children this is what you ought to do with your finances this is why you ought to share your faith it's 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 a It's exhortation, it's exhorting us to to the life that God wants us to have. That is so much more fulfilling and rewarding than anything I can find out there on my own. I know, edification and exhortation and (laughs) consolation. The act of consoling, comfort, or solace. If you have ever, if you have ever turned to the Word of God in times of grief, In times of despair, in times of anxiety, in times of fear, in times of uncertainty, in times of whatever in your life, then you know that only the Word of God has the power to bring comfort in those particular moments and episodes of your life. Psalm uh, 34, uh, verse 18 The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. You ever felt that way? You ever been brokenhearted? The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the, those who are crushed in spirit. Your spirit ever been crushed? You ever felt that moment in your life when like, like all the oxygen is sucked out of your body and you, and you don't even know what's gonna happen in the next moment in your life? Psalm 147, verse three, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. I, you know what I love about that? It's not that he just, that he just meets us. He, he's, he's never gonna be content to leave me there. In my broken heartedness, in my despair. But no, he's going to bind up my wounds. He's going to heal me. In Isaiah 61, 1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the broken hearted, to proclaim liberty, liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. Hallelujah, that's what the Word of God has the power to do in our lives. It is for consolation in our lives. Is it any wonder that Paul says, prophecy, proclaiming the truth of God, that is the priority in the church. Now, let me, say what, let me tell you what that means for us, and then we'll, we'll, we'll draw it to a close and finish up next week. Let me tell you what that means for us. What that means for us at, at Cross Culture Church, and for any church, is that prophecy, the proclamation of God's truth should always be the priority of everything that we do, and since we are the church, those of us who know Christ as our Savior, since we are the church, it is to be the priority of our lives. In other words, our lives is built upon the, the, the prophetic truth that God has revealed to us. So whether it is our, whether it is our worship, our, our, our worship, our singing to the Lord. It's not really about the style. It's about the substance, ladies and gentlemen. It's, a, it's about making sure that what we're saying about God is theologically accurate and uplifting and praiseworthy of Him. Whether it is our, our small group, what we call life groups, meeting together, whether it is our student ministry, whether it is our children's ministry, everything should be built on and based on the Word of God. That's why it's so blessed me to hear Cale talk about this study that they did in the book of Hebrews Hey, oh, the, sure, the video is, is all them playing all them games and bouncing off that thing. That looked awesome. I want one of those. All that looked, looked awesome. You know why? Because, because, we, because that, that looks good on the screen. A bunch of students with their head in the Bible. Maybe that oh, doesn't seem exciting. So you, can't, you can only capture so much of that footage. But it so thrills me to, to know that, 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 that they dove into the Word of God because that's what the church is to be about prophecy that's the priority now you would certainly hope that those and we're going to see this next week that anybody virtually anybody can participate in prophecy in the church we're going to see that and i promise you if you're here last week or if you've looked down yet we're going to get to verse 34 about women not speaking in the church we're going to get to that we're going to get to that because that's that's part of chapter 14 you need to understand what, it, what it's saying but But virtually anybody can participate in in prophecy. The Corinthians were saying, choose the shiny one. Get this one. Over and over again, Paul says. "Mm." Matter of fact, we'll see next week. Tongues was a problem. And we're going to look at exactly why it was a problem. But for us, emphasis in our lives as part of the body of Christ, emphasis when we're gathered together in in small groups, in in large gatherings, in uh, whatever it is. The the, the prophecy should always be the priority of what we do. To the glory of God and for the good, for the edification and exhortation and consolation of the body of Christ. Amen?
0: We certainly hope today's message was both informational and inspirational to you. God's truth revealed should bring edification, exhortation, and consolation to our lives. The Corinthian church had taken their eyes off that truth. They placed their focus on their own particular version of tongues, and instead of being edified, the church was confused. What was true then is just as true today. The Word of God proclaimed must always be the priority. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, discovering how to really live in the promises of God.
1: My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety.
0: Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis.
1: What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores.
0: I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore.
1: You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get get it from Slay Stevens. They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get.
0: Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. Illness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where they will find what they're searching for. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculture.church.
1: I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I am
0: Culture Church, a new church for people like you, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.